Now, Brother Shepherd left off in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 23. And while we're all turning there, and y'all might already be there by now, we're going to refresh a little bit on where we're at. Ahab has gathered 450 prophets of Baal. And Baal was a false god. Now, he's gathered them together with the children of Israel at Mount Carmel in order for Elijah to confront them about their false idol worship. Ahab was the ruler of Israel at that time. And God's word says back in chapter 16, verses 29 through 33, if y'all want to turn there, you can. You can just listen to me read it. Now we're just getting a refresher on what's going on here. So in chapter 16, verses 29 through 33, it says, And in the thirty and eighth year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria twenty and two years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. So Israel has an evil ruler ruling over them at this time. Ahab is promoting False, Ahab is promoting a false god and idolatry to the people. If you are not promoting the one true God, Jehovah, you are promoting a false god. God said in uh, Isaiah, I am the Lord thy God, and beside me is no Savior. So Abraham, I mean Ahab, is promoting a false god at this time. He is promoting Baal, and he is promoting a sinful lifestyle to the people. Evil leaders lead people the wrong way. So if you was to see God was over here, Ahab is going this way in the opposite direction, and the people are following him. Which way are the people are going? Which way are they going? Now, people, I mean, uh, folks, I'm going to tell you, I ask a lot of questions, so don't be afraid to answer me, please. Don't be afraid to answer. Which way are the people going? Going away from God. God's over here. They're following a man that's leading them the wrong direction. That ain't right. We don't want to go the wrong way. Now, Now, because the people were going the wrong way, the Lord has ceased the rain. He has ceased the rain. Not even dew was allowed to fall. This had to be a most miserable time. The crops were failing. 
the grass wasn't growing and the animals were dying. Could you imagine just at that time, if you was to imagine right now, if all the rain stopped and all the dew stopped and rivers and the waters and everything dried up, how are people going to make a living? How are they going to eat? I don't even believe that Joe Biden would send them enough money to support them. I really don't. There's not enough money to do that. This had to be a most miserable time at this time for these people. Now the Lord has sent his prophet Elijah to point them to the right way and get them back on the right path. The right path is the one that God walks. Woo! And that's the path I want to be on. We are fixing to read about a showdown, so to speak, between a man of God being used by God and an evil ruler using false prophets. Y'all remember them old westerns on TV? Boy, my daddy used to watch all the time. Didn't he, Mama? I'd walk in there, and Daddy, he'd be watching them westerns all the time. Didn't matter if it was a rerun or not. He knew how the outcome was going to end, but he still watched it. Uh, but anyway, in them old Western movies, you'd have this old bad guy. He'd be doing his thing, stirring up trouble, and all of a sudden the good guy, he would show up in the town. And then they'd get out there in the middle of town. And the good guy and the bad guy, they'd had this showdown out there in the middle of town. I could just see Elijah coming in there, and he's saying, Ahab, this town ain't big enough for the both of us. Your God, my God's, uh, your your God, my God, they're not going to be in the same town together, so one of them's got to go. And what we're going to see here, we're going to see Elijah, the man of God, and God doing wonderful miracle here, if we get that far today. If not, we'll just do like Brother Shepherd says and cut it off like a, Log a baloney and start up next time, God willing. But anyway, uh, next page. <laughs> uh, okay, now we talked about that now. Uh, let me catch up my notes here. So everyone, so hopefully everyone has found First Kings. Uh, Chapter eighteen, verse twenty-three. By now, so that's where we're going. We're going to jump back just a little bit. If you would look right back at verse seventeen, and we're going to start reading there, so we can get some context on where we're at. Now then, chapter eighteen, First Kings, verse seventeen. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, "Art they art thou he that troubleth Israel?" And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. You see, they go in the wrong direction, ain't they? They're not going towards the Lord. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal four hundred and fifty. And the prophets of the groves four hundred which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, 
How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. Now this verse right here, it reminds me of when Joshua told the people of Israel, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods, that's a little g-gods, which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods, that's a little g-gods again, of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, <laughs> we will serve the Lord. Now, now you can find that verse in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. That's Joshua 24, verse 15, if you would like to go back and read it later. Now, back in 1 Kings, where we left off, verse 22. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them, therefore, give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under, and I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, that's the gods with a little g, and I will call on the name of the Lord, that's a Lord with a capital L. Boy, I like it. That's Lord God Jehovah right there. And the God, that's a capital G, that answereth by fire, which as we read into this, you're going to see there ain't but one God. <laughs> Let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now, so Elijah, the man sent by God, God's prophet, is standing in front of all these people. There is a massive amount of people here now. I'm not sure of the exact amount, but we know Ahab's false prophets of Baal were 450 from verse 19 and verse 22. In verse 19, oh, from verse 19, we see the prophets of the groves were 400. But there is no mention of them being here at this gathering. At this gathering at Mount Carmel, there's no mention of them being there. Now, even though Elijah had requested them to be there, there was no mention of them there. One reason why they might not have been there is because Jezebel was in charge of them, and you can see that back here, that she was in charge of the prophets in the groves. But one of the reasons why they might not have been there is because Jezebel was in charge of them, and she wouldn't allow them to go. Now, that's a whole nother lesson in itself right there. So, <laughs> but Jezebel didn't allow them to go is, my, is the theory on that. So, they, weren't, they wasn't there. Now then, uh, now Elijah had also requested all Israel to be in attendance. He had requested all Israel to be in attendance as well. 
but just how many is not specifically numbered. Now, this brings me to a great point. (laughs) How many people of Israel did Elijah want to come and be witness to what God was about to do? All of them. That's right. Elijah had requested all of Israel to be in attendance to see what God was about to do. Elijah wanted them to be taught by God as a congregation. That word congregation means assembly. When you come to church and gather with other believers, you are an assembly or a congregation. And when a preacher teaches from God's word in truth, when A preacher gets right into this right here in God's word, and he teaches in truth, in love, then you are hearing from God. God is using that to deliver God's word. The preacher is simply the vessel pouring out the truth in love, being used by God, and that is what Elijah is doing here. He is being used by God to pour out the truth of God. I was talking to a gentleman the other day. He used to come to this church. And I still talk to him from now, time and time, every now and then I'll talk to him when I see him. And I always try to invite him back to church, you know. Folks, I want to tell you, if you have a falling out or something, oh, man, just and you want to come back to church, the doors are still open. They really are. Anyway, this gentleman, he was talking to me, and he started to pay, he apologized to me. Even though the falling out wasn't with me, he was apologizing to him and uh, to me. And I just, he humbled himself, and he apologized. And I could tell he wants to come back to church. So y'all be, y'all don't know, I ain't going to say who it is because I don't want to embarrass him. But p- just pray that that, that man will come back. He needs to be in the Word of God, as we all do, you know. But we sure, he, y'all knew him. If y'all been here a while, you knew him. And everybody enjoyed his coming. He was, but he just had a little falling out there, you know. And and I believe anywhere you go, we all have different personalities. And we're all, things go on differently. We don't all agree with everything each of us do. But as long as we're all in a, Agree on this right here, then we should be off. We should be fine to go right there. But anyway, get back to what I was saying. Uh, this gentleman, when he he was telling me, apologizing to me about what all everything went down, because I'd asked him where he was going to church, and he told me where he was going to church, and he told me that he didn't believe in some of the things that they were teaching there. He believed in some of it, but some of it he didn't. And I'm thinking in my mind, <laughs> well, I don't understand that, you know. I Myself, I believe in what God's Word says. And if you have a preacher up there preaching something totally opposite, why would you want to keep going back time after time and listening to that? You know, our minds, you've got to keep your mind filled with God's Word and truth. And this man keeps going back, but I, like I said, I think he's wanting to come back, but we'll see. Anyway, as I was talking to him, he told me about that stuff, and 
he also proceeded to tell me that he didn't believe that he had to go to church all the time. And, you know, that's not the first time I have heard that. Well, I don't believe I need to go to church all the time. Well, I told him that that's wrong. You know, that's wrong. He said, it don't say nowhere in God's word where you have to go to church all the time. I said, you're wrong, brother. You are wrong. And I proceeded to tell him about it. And I'm just going to quickly mention it here. I'm, I'm not trying to upset nobody, but I'm just telling you. Elijah wanted everybody to be there, and God wants everybody to be in church hearing his word. I, I guarantee you. Now then, I told him. Like I said, that wasn't the first time I heard that. And I want to tell you, one of the things I enjoy most about this life God has blessed me with is being able to come through them doors every Wednesday and Sunday and hear God's Word taught. I just love it. Boy, ooh, man, man. Ooh. Now, I love gathering with other believers And I love having fellowship. I love it. It's one of the highlights of this life. So anyway, I told him Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25. If y'all want to look that up later, you're more than welcome to. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25. It says, not forsaking, that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And that is, like I said, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Now, there are some legitimate reasons for not being at church. I realize that. Now, Brother Shepard would be here today, but I'm going to quote one of Brother Shepard's quotes that he says when somebody's sick. (laughs) Brother Shepard will say that they have an infirmity in the flesh. I don't know if you've ever heard him say that, but that's one of the sayings that he says. And Brother Shepard has an infirmity of the flesh. And that's in the Bible as well. So, uh, now another reason that you might not be at church other than being sick, if you live hundreds of miles away and you cannot find a church that preaches the Word of God in Word, can tune in and have fellowship. Now, if you are sick, Please don't come to church and share your sickness with everybody else. (laughs) We want to share fellowship, not colds. But that's another reason if you're sick, we have the Internet to uh, keep you informed and have fellowship with others here at the church. But don't let that replace coming to church. That's what it says. Like I said, I'm not trying to make nobody mad. I'm just telling you what God's Word says. All right. I shouldn't be standing up here if I couldn't tell you what God's word says, and that's what it says. So, now, uh, let's get back to my notes here. Now then, uh, let's see here. All right. So, if you miss church, just make sure you're reason for missing church is a legitimate reason with God. That's the main thing right there. Make sure it's legitimate with God. So how many people here at this gathering at Mount Carmel is not specifically mentioned? 
but we know it had to be many. The one chosen by God, Elijah, is standing before all these worldly people, pointing them back to God. (laughs) Did you know that if you are saved, (laughs) you have been chosen by God? Did you know that? You have been chosen by God if you are saved. Elijah was chosen by God. If you have put your faith in the one he sent to take away your sins, you have been chosen by God. You have been bought and paid for through the shed blood of Christ. As Christians, we should be doing the same thing Elijah is doing here. You are no longer yoked together with unbelievers, but we still need to point them to God. You have Elijah standing out in front of all these people. The child of God, the one God sent, is standing out from the worldly people. You see that? Isn't that neat? I thought that was so cool. Elijah is standing away from the worldly people. Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. Now, y'all are welcome to turn there. But I've got it marked. I'm a little quicker. Now remember, he's standing out away from all the Corinthians here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. Chapter 6, verses 14 through 18 in 2 Corinthians. Corinthians. Paul is telling the Corinthians, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelief. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with dark? And that's good. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? That's a false god. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Spirit is living and dwelling with you. You are the temple of God. And the last thing you need to be doing is taking your the Holy Spirit. He's going with you where you go. You don't want to take him in a, a place of idols. So remember that. <laughs> now then, where was I? I'm sorry, I get off a little bit. For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. Come out from among them. Boy, I tell you what, Brother Doug, so thankful I've come out from among them. Woo, boy. Man, (laughs) that's good. And be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. (laughs) Boy, Brother Doug used to go in some bad places, and I sure thank God I don't no more. Now then, (laughs) in verse 23, back in 1 Kings 18, Elijah is telling the people of Israel, let them, that's the many prophets of Baal, give us 
That's him and the children of Israel. God's chosen people. The children of Israel are God's chosen people. Remember that. Elijah's telling them to give us two bullocks. Do you see the words them and us? Them and us. Let them, in uh, verse 23, let them therefore give us. What's, that's a separation, isn't it? That's a separation of people right there. Woo! That's just like separating the wheat from the chaff, the tares from the wheat, the goats from the sheep. Just because God's people make mistakes and wander off, God doesn't disown them. God doesn't disown you when you make a mistake. You do not lose your salvation. When you put your faith in Christ, you belong to him. Nothing can take that away from you. And please don't believe it if someone tells you you can lose your salvation. It's not true. Don't believe it. That's a big fat lie is all that is. When someone tells you that you can lose your salvation, they're telling you that something is greater than God and able to take it from God, and that's a big lie. John ten twenty seven through 30 tells us. John 10, 27 through 30, it tells us, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. Woo, boy, that's good. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So if somebody wants to tell you you can lose your salvation, ask them what they do with those verses. How do you explain that then? There's no one greater than God. Now then, you can't lose your salvation, folks. God doesn't disown you, but just like the children of Israel, he will chasten you. He will chasten you in order to get you back on the right track. Remember, they were going this way, following Ahab. God's fixed, God started chastening them. He took away the rain. He took away the dew. They were being chastened. He was trying to get their attention. And now God's getting their attention. Now Elijah's fixing to show them. But just like the children of Israel, and we see that time and time again, when the children come out of Egypt, time and time again, the children of Israel would go in the wrong way, and God would get them right back on the path and he does the same thing with us too if we get off the path God will put you, get you or get your attention to get you back on that path now <laughs> like the children of Israel he will chasten you in order to get you back on the right path and we can see that in he, Hebrews 12 verse 5 like I said I got these pre-marked so if y'all want to hear me read it that's fine if you want the verses later get me and I'll we all, I'll announce it again. In Hebrews 12, 5 through 7, it says, Hebrews 12, 5 through 7, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, 
lost their way there, didn't they? Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Children of Israel went through a lot of chastening. Still going through it today, too. Okay. Now then. Elijah is making an agreement with the people of Israel here. He's telling them that with these two sacrifices that are prepared, the one that is given to the false gods and the one that is given to the true God, the one that is proven by fire lit under it, let him be God. And the people agree. They all agree. What he's doing here, he's talking to the people right now, and he's telling them, let the prophets give us two bullocks. The prophets are many. They got they can afford to get two bullocks. And we're going to let them choose. We're going to let the prophets supply us the bullocks, and we're going to let them choose the one they want. And after we prepare it, what they would do, they would cut this uh, bullock up, and they would put it on the altar for a burnt offering. They would light a fire under this offering, and when it would burn, the smoke would go up, the Lord would smell it, and it was a sweet aroma to the Lord. Now, some people like to smell other things than other people like to smell. Some of the perfumes smell sweeter than others to different people. But when God smells this sweet aroma, all oh, my people are doing what I ask him to do. He knows what they're doing. Isn't that good? God knows what you're doing, folks. God knows what you're doing. He watches over all of us. God knows. Fantastic. He knew what they were doing when they burnt that, that burnt offering there. He could smell it. And all the people, they agree. They say, oh, we agree with that. That reminds me when they come down, when Moses come down off the mount there with the Ten Commandments. Oh, all he says we will do. Oh, they didn't, did they? But that's what that kind of reminded me of her. Now, in verse 26... It says, and they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar which was made. So Elijah has told them not to put no fire. Just put that, you put that uh, cut up bullock up there on that altar, and when you get yours up there, we're going to just don't put no fire on it. And you pray to your God, Baal, your gods, all of them. I'm sure they was praying more than one to, than Baal because when they was praying to Baal and he didn't answer, they probably went to their next God and he didn't answer. And they went to their next God and he didn't answer. So when you pray to them, Elijah says, and when y'all get done, what I'm going to do, I'll make my preparation over here and we'll put my sacrifice on there. And whoever puts the... Well, whoever the fire comes underneath which one of these offerings here, who whichever offering gets the fire under it, oh, whichever offering gets the fire under it, that's the one the true God sent. 
That's the sacrifice that the true God is going to accept right there. So, <laughs> now, <laughs> the false prophets choose their sacrifice to prepare, and they bring it unto a false God. Now, <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, a false God doesn't care what sacrifice you offer it, but the one true God, Jehovah, does. Ha <laughs> ha. God has blessed us with the ability to make choices, folks. We have the ability to make choices, and that's through the goodness of God that blesses us with that. <laughs> when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, they chose to disobey God, and they brought sin into the world. Very bad choice. Genesis. Now we got time. Genesis is a real easy book to find. So let's all turn there, and we're going to read about their choice. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 right quick. Now, I want to tell you something. When I first started coming to church, I couldn't find a book in the Bible. But I can find Genesis now. <laughs> so we're going to look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Boy, I got loud, didn't I? Okay. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods. That's a God with a little g. Knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat. And God also, oh, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, in this verse 6, that is every temptation that Jesus Christ went through. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the, the pride of life. All three are right there in that verse, in chapter, in verse 6. But back in verse 1, we see that the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Hang in there with me. That word subtle means cunning or crafty. He is constantly thinking of ways to mess up your thinking. He tries to twist your thoughts, and he is an expert in the field of what he does. The Bible said he is a liar and the father of it. He has all kinds of bait to lure you in, and he will throw it at you again and again to see if you will take the bait. Now, Brother Ronnie and my dad, they went fishing the other day. They go fishing a pretty good bit. And they caught several good-sized fish. But they wouldn't have caught anything if the fish would have chose not to take the bait. They wouldn't have caught nothing. Them fish, I'm not biting that. They do that sometimes, don't they, Brother Ronnie? They don't take the bait, do they? 
That's right. But sometimes they do, don't they? And that's just like people are. That's the way we are too sometimes. Sometimes we can resist the devil and he'll flee. And sometimes we don't resist the devil. We are drawn away by our own lust. <laughs> now, Brother Ronnie and my dad, when they were fishing, they was fishing with something that those fish just loved. On that day, they caught all them fish. That bait lured them into biting it, and they got caught. That old fish hook got them. That is the same thing the devil does. He throws something out there that entices you. He throws something out there and entices you in hopes that you will choose to take it. Adam and Eve chose to take the bait, thus bringing sin into this old world that has been going downhill ever since and is picking up speed each and every day, folks. If you haven't noticed this old world going downhill, I don't know where you've been hiding, but it's going down quick. That old devil is going to do his best to get you to choose the wrong bullock. He is going to dangle all kinds of bait in front of you. He's going to keep dangling that bait in front of you. He might even say you don't need a sacrifice at all. He might tell you you don't need that sacrifice. You just trust in what you do. You don't need it. He might tell you you don't need that. You just work for it. You just go to church enough or sing in the choir he might tell you to give to the needy and feed the poor. All of them are good things, folks. How devil, he wants you to do all that. He might tell you you can please God on your own. Just work for it. He might say, just believing in Christ's death for you, he might say that isn't enough. You need to add something to it. You might do that. You never know. There's people that add to the gospel all the time. They try to tell you that. Oh, well, you, you need to believe in Christ, but you need to do this. You need to be baptized. You need to say prayer all the time. Add to it. Well, not here in this church they don't, but in some churches they'll tell you that. Don't fall for the devil's lies. For by grace... Are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves? It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. <laughs> that is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, if y'all want to look that up. And God said it, and I believe it. Now, we're just going to close here a couple of minutes early, but we're going to close in prayer. And, uh, folks, y'all keep Brother Shepherd in your prayers, please. And we pray for his health and for him to return. And, and um, that was, I thank you for letting me do this. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the safe passage here today, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord, that you left us with, Father. And, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that, I just pray, Lord, that it went forth today, Lord, and that, Everything I said, Lord, was what you wanted me to say, Father. Lord, it's just a blessing to be here, Father. And we thank thankful for those, Lord, that come through that door, Lord, when the church doors are open to come and hear your word taught, Father. And Lord, we're thankful for the visitors that come, Lord, and those that tune in on the Internet as well, Father. Lord, I just pray the sheep were fed today, Lord, and the fishes and bread got passed out, Lord. 
Lord, we want to pray for the pastor as he brings the message next, Father, and we just pray for his strength, Lord. We pray you keep his voice going, Lord, and bless him with the strength, Father, to continue doing all the tracks and the booklets and everything that he's doing, Father. It's just amazing, Lord. And we, we thank you, Lord, for using this church here, Lord, to help spread your word, Lord, and spread the gospel of Christ, Father. Lord, we just thank you so much, Lord. What a blessing it is to be here. And thank you for each and every blessing that you bestow upon us, Father. And, Lord, we just pray that you'd guide our thoughts, words, and actions, Lord, and just help us to glorify you in each and everything that we think, do, and say, Lord. We ask these things today in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen.